0: Laughcast.com presents <laughs> <laughs> The following episode of Wide Men Can't Jump is scheduled for a 60-minute time limit. Introducing first, your co-hosts, I'm Nathan Bush, the man behind the wheel, Jeff Simmons, and live from Laughcast Studios in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, T.R. Shock, Tom
1: Robinson. Yo, 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 T.R. Shock. Since uh, the whole world's focused on Minnesota, I think that's where the... Uh very short-lived gimmick in the wrestling business of TR Shock emanated in nineteen ninety three. Actually, I used it like once or twice before that, but anyhow, uh, the whole world, as I said, is in Minneapolis, Minnesota for the Philadelphia Eagles Super Bowl game, which is now, let me think, today's Wednesday, four days from now, uh, it's 9 p.m., we should be in the third quarter, is that a, a good approximation? maybe uh I'm depending on how a- long, depending how long Timberlake
0: goes and That's how many tickets he going. pulls out That's so
1: you fuck my joke up um bring sexy back yeah i that-
0: wish we could have that wardrobe malfunction with Katy Perry
1: that would be amazing well uh there'd be a lot of uh dvrs and such pushed on pause at that moment there's a lot of there's a lot of boobies that want to be seen in the music uh (laughs) quite a cry from back when the uh, janet jackson
0: thing happened when it was a vcr i don't remember if anybody remembers vcr and videotapes
1: yeah yeah i do (laughs) those were the days but yeah um four days from now so we'll, we'll touch on the eagles a little bit later um We got a packed show with uh, some great guests tonight as football's winding down and we're starting to turn the heat up on the NBA and uh, great job on your end, Big Nate, for uh, booking our guests from different cities. That should, uh, should be a great, interesting shoot fest tonight. Well, the thing is, if you aggravate
0: someone enough, eventually they will come on the show. That's what I've learned over the past several months of getting guests for the show. But speaking of pestering people, we want to pester you out there to give our sponsors some love because our sponsors need love because they sponsor us and we love them. They show us love. So we want you guys to show them love. Our main sponsor is wowfreecam.com. You should definitely check them out. Go to their website and check them out. Hey, Jeff, why don't you tell them a little more about it? Hey guys, it's Nate from Why Men Can't Jump, and I just want to tell you about this brand new free site, wowfreecam.com. You listen to us for basketball analysis and insight and entertainment, but where are you going to go when you get the itch to talk to a sexy lady? You go to wowfreecam.com. They have the hottest women on the internet, and guess what? It's 100% free. Log on right now, and go talk to them if you want. You can do it. It's all free. Free to look, fellas. Have a look, enjoy, and tell them Nate from Wide Men Can't Jump sent you. The number one adult entertainment site that you can participate in, wowfreakcam.com. Must be 18 or older, but you're not going to want to miss out on this. Log on to wowfreakcam.com. So big thank you to wowfreecam.com. And, T.R., what was the uh, other plug that
1: I don't remember right offhand because it was one you secured? Well, that's our main man, Michael Crescola. Uh, when you think of concrete, you think of guys like Fletcher Cox on the Eagles defensive line. You think of guys like Lane Johnson on our offensive line. Hard as a rock, solid as a rock. And speaking of concrete, of course, there's Mike Crescola, concrete. Chris Scola. He said I said his name wrong last week. I just stuttered a lot. Um, Michael <laughs> Criscola is based out of Brookhaven, Pennsylvania, here in Delaware County, suburban Philadelphia. I never realized it's a global medium, but we're catering to our local audience. If you need anything, any concrete needs, insured, licensed, you name it, 610-986-2900. 610-986-2900. Tell Mike or whoever you speak with over at Crisco Concrete that wide men Can't Jump sent you. And I'm sure Mike will be happy and he'll be getting jobs out the ass because we're, uh, as that commercial would say with Kenny Powers, I'm all the way up! Bang! That's right.
0: So TR, uh, now that we've got the cheap plugs out of the way, and thank you to our sponsors, we love all of you. Um, normally this is the time in the show when we go into some extensive Wolf 76ers talk well, since Jim Peterson's joining us tonight, I'm gonna save my wolves thoughts for a little bit later. So go ahead, TR, give us an update on the seventy Sixers. I've been running around like a madman this past week, so I honestly have very little knowledge of how the Sixers have done this past week.
1: Uh you know what? The Sixers are playing uh they're one game over five hundred, twenty four and twenty three. Uh they're playing tonight, January thirty first against The Brooklyn Nets, a team that is far inferior to them, but they've had a history this year of playing to their competition. And I must bring up losing twice to the Sacramento Kings, losing to the Los Angeles Lakers, losing to the Phoenix Suns, losing to the Chicago Bulls, etc., etc., while in the same season beating the Houston Rockets, beating the Boston Celtics, beating the Toronto Raptors. And also jumping out to a 22-point halftime lead on the Golden State Warriors where they just totally collapsed in the second half. But they do play up to their competition. Um, J.J. Redick's back tonight, so that's a good thing. Uh, TLC, Timite Luau-Cabaro, which I will never try to spell on Twitter or any of our pages. <laughs> we just call that guy TL- TLC. He's from another country. Uh, I should know France. He's from France. He's got skills, but they come and go. He's, he's very similar to this year's Robert Covington. They put him in a starting lineup due to injury recently to Reddick and Bayless and so forth. First couple games, he's banging threes. He's looking like the next coming. And I knew Cinderella would turn into a pumpkin and in the last couple games. He's just been the shits. So he is what he is. He's a you know, ninth, tenth guy off the bench, if that. A um, couple people on Twitter got their hopes up. They've been showing Markel faults. Oh, a big story I should bring up before we move on to a quick Eagles talk between myself, Jeff, and you. Um, Markel, my favorite draft pick of all time, faults <laughs> was uh, s- stumbled onto an ESPN report. I believe it was a print report that Brett Brown told this said reporter, who I should have wrote down his name in my notes, that. He felt Markel Fultz had, quote, psychosomatic problems with his jump shot, i.e., the shoulder's all bullshit and it's all in his head. And Brown yeah, he said uh, he misconstrued his words. or in, a, in the long run, that was the infamous tweet from Markel a few nights back. I can't trust anyone that you sent to me. Um, oh, yeah, Fultz, Fultz was very upset. And Brown did everything he could for damage control, and the ESPN reporter printed a retraction and an apology. But the cleared Markel Fultz, who I saw more video from our friend Keith Pompey today, is still healthy as a horse and still not in the lineup. And uh, I don't know any other sport that a team, an organization, could get away with red-shirting a, not freshman, but a uh, a rookie.
2: I actually have a I have a question about that. Um, you now, wouldn't wouldn't you think that uh, if if, it, if say this is a mental issue with Marco Fultz, wouldn't you think to get his confidence up, you get him out there, you get him even if he's playing not great, but get him like at least a little bit of comfortability with the NBA and get some experience out there? You're damn right. I agree with you a hundred percent. I mean. It depends when you put him in, but that's subject to Coach Brown, and uh, I just really don't even, think. Even coming off the bench and he only plays like, you know, a quarter plays like 12 minutes a game or something like that.
0: Yeah, they, or maybe, Or maybe send him down to the G League like TR suggested weeks ago, and I'm completely in agreement with. If a guy's having an issue, send him to the G League and let him work through it. Like, it makes no sense to – keep a guy out and basically this dude like think of it as a regular job think of it this guy took a regular nine to five working job comes in is and gets paid a lot of money because he's supposed to be really good at this job works a week and then gets put on paid vacation for like four months like (laughs) how does that how does exactly i mean think about healthy vacation it's yeah healthy vacation not like he he had like a heart attack or his uh you know, he like he got a paper cut. Like that's basically what happened. He got a paper cut. He went out on comp, and they're paying him in full to show up to work and dress
1: nice, but not do his job. That's how I'm looking at it's, it. It's a very, It's the. I mean, it's not strange considering what this organization did in the last five years since Scam Henke came in with his analytics and his bullshit and his tanking. And the league had to step in, and now I think uh, stuffy Brian Colangelo is doing the same thing in a veiled way, you know, just to pull the wool wool over our eyes, so to speak. Uh, But I I don't want to kill Fultz. I mean, that's old. He's not – I doubt doubt we'll see him play this year for the Sixers. I really do. And I don't know how they're going to explain that. Maybe somebody – I doubt it. Don't don't think I feel confident in this, but trade deadline coming up, maybe somebody will be dumb enough or maybe smart enough and have foresight that they will let him go to the G League or will, like Jeff said, get the guy in a fucking game and let him play it out. I, I, I agree with you, Jeff. Get the guy out
2: there. Let him, you know, let somebody... Even if he
1: shits the bed. Shits like, the bed. At least he's in game competition. Yeah.
2: You know, like he's got to and I think, I think playing with Embiid and Simmons... Uh, two players who are are arguably top, well, I think both of them are definitely top 20 players in the league right now, um, you could could really boost the guy's confidence just being around them and g- gaining some chemistry.
1: Yeah, I mean, I hate to say I told you also, but it's been since last summer I said, uh, Nate and 50 others in that group, some are listeners, some have called in the past. I've, I said, fuck faults fuck faults That was my post repeated fuck faults anybody but faults and i even had the foresight this was a lucky weird premonition but i said tj mcconnell will have his minutes by november and they'll make up some weird reason why he can't play that was you called it man that was a paraphrase not an exact quote but
0: i wish you'd have kept that group active because i'd love to take screenshots of that and post it on our twitter page but
1: i know man i was just i guess like, they
0: got to take our i guess our listeners have to take our word for it because it it's true he did say it and most people didn't agree with him i, I think i may have been in the minority and said you know what man i agree with you i just don't think he's going to be anything and i think that's why i'm I'm allowed to be the co-host of the show is because i agreed <laughs> with him.
1: well you know it's it, it's our show collectively Uh, I don't know who said it first, but, you know, you had experience in this, and I could just tell that you, uh, whether it be for Philly or not, you had a a, a unique understanding for a guy your age of the NBA. So uh, other than that, the Sixers are are five hundred. Kevin Love's out now. We're going to talk about injuries later. We got a lot of injuries. We got a lot of injuries to talk about. that's, That's the thing. The East is so easy to get in the mix if you get your shit together, and this team is long enough. Meaning height wise and and, and has such talent, uh, there's no excuse not to make the playoffs. They they go from ten to six. That's their seeds. Whenever they feel like going on a win streak, they're up to six. Whenever they feel like fucking around, they're down to I mean up to, down to ten. So well, well this- there's a team there's a team in that ninth
0: seed right now that's really going to make a push here within the next I think the next month or two. So be on the lookout for them. That's well, the I th- Detroit Pistons.
1: I, th- I think our first guest is not here yet, but we're we're going to talk a little bit about that major. We
2: will talk about the Pistons here in a few minutes. Go ahead, Jeff. I didn't mean to interrupt. In in the uh, defense of the Sixers, though, I mean every all the critics and before the even the season started, they had them at forty-two and forty. You know that was their pro- that was the projected over under, um, before the season started. That's what they were saying that they were going to finish, and you know at, right now they're pretty much on par with that. And if they can do that, that's better than last year. Um, uh, no one was expecting them to to win the championship this year. You know, the, they like I know, TR, you're not a fan of the, the, the slogan, trust the process, but this is a process, and it's still going on. Uh, I'm not a fan.
1: And with Markel, I think that's part of this uh, shitty process. And I still think. You know, not in your case. What you just said, I think you're giving them another year to show you. Like maybe we'll do something in free agent in the offseason, free agency.
2: And even, I mean, I just saw there was a trade rumor out there that the, the Sixers are interested in Tyreek Evans. Like that could. Be, Every everybody
0: know. in the league is interested in Tyreek Evans right now.
2: <laughs> it's true, but you know, if they could land a player like that, that could that could tra- that could uh, change things significantly. In, hey, Tr, in the make wake of an make, eye. Make me a deal right here, Tr. Live. If Markel Fultz
0: comes back and leads the Sixers within the next however long he's in Philly, and this in this group, and they and he can lead them and be the leader of this team and take them to the NBA Finals and they win the championship, you have to get a tattoo that says "Trust the Process."
1: <laughs> Make that deal with me. You know, Make it. I, I, I mean, I don't. I don't know what would. Uh what your end would be, uh, the equivalent to if he didn't, I'd have to give you major odds or something. But, <laughs> I mean, I, I would be glad to be wrong in this case if the Sixers were, like, number one like the Celtics are, you know, with their new acquisitions. Uh, if J, if he played like Jason Tatum, I would be like, you know what, I I was wrong about that dude, but I wasn't. I was dead on almost to a, a creepy I was dead on. It was so accurate, my prediction really were there's still time i mean it, it, you know he's only it, he was 19 i don't know if he's turned 20 yet that's a lot of time to develop and the problem the problem stems i think i'm going a little long here but the problem stems from the co- the quality of coaching since the game quote unquote changed with AAU where there's no more boxing out and uh defensive drills and this that and the other it's all if a guy can cross over and break an ankle, and, and, you know, they're just not concentrating on free throws, on boxing out, on diving for balls. The, the, these guys coming in the league and they can't shoot foul shots because they were never taught fundamentals, and they got to be taught when they're millionaires already. And it's. Well, you, you can see that at the college level now. Like,
0: yeah. I just watched. I was, before I came in here, I was watching the West Virginia Iowa State game, and you're looking at a guy like Sakabah Kanate who's playing college ball, and he's. He, you know, he can block seven shots a game, and he's a massive, massive body in the post and then can't make a free throw. I'm like, dude, come on. They're called free throws. Like, it makes no sense.
1: Yeah, I and mean. A, and,
0: you look at, and you look at guys who have decent jump shots, guys who can make baskets and they can't make free throws. It's it's mind-boggling
1: to me. Get Rick Barry to teach him how to throw it underhanded. I mean, I'm talking I mean, in the case of it like ain't, Ben Simmons at this point. but It's not pretty, but it works. It works, man, and uh, it's it's the it's the simplest form of basketball: layups, free throws. I mean, th- they should be givens, and the three pointers should be like worked on. And like a a guy who just got traded, Blake Griffin, the Greek freak, the other night was hitting some threes with a nice swish, a nice follow through, a nice touch when he played us. Um, a lot of guys that came in the league without a great shot, you know, beyond ten feet. Ben's there's no reason why Ben can't develop that over the next couple of years so I'm optimistic but uh yeah. I just I just think like you said Tyreek Evans is from Chester Pennsylvania right down the road here and you know I like all Philly guys to come back and that would be nice but it wouldn't be like a big three it would just be a nice piece but we would definitely make a run this year and I don't know it'd be great for the city to have a couple rounds of playoff action you know what I mean and what would be wrong? We still have all that cap room, you know, in the off season and everything. So there's no reason we shouldn't be in the building. And I think I think he would like to come home, um, but obviously money talks, and what, you know, like Nate said, everybody's after him from Boston to Cleveland to you know you name it. They're after him. Um, and and the key here, what Nate brought up to me, but I you know I I kind of left out was that Memphis wants a first rounder, which is really uh, that's a lot. It's it's a lot for some teams to give up now. It I mean, depends that it depends how high that's a, you lot, value. For, yeah. that's a
0: lot for Tyreek Evans.
1: Yeah, like I'm sorry. Right, Tyreek
0: Evans right. is a good player, but he's not a first round pick level player. He's not a guy that I'm gonna that I'm gonna give up a first now, unless it's like a like an early first round pick, I'm not giving up. Like okay. if I'm Boston, right. Boston's holding on to that pick. They're not gonna give that up for Tyreek Evans. I'm sorry. And I wouldn't do it. Not even a lottery pick would I give up for Tyreek Evans at this point.
1: Like, like I said, we have a, one, a number one overall who's only 20 years old. That well, I'll gladly give for, uh, but, <laughs> you know, the Sixers might not feel the same way. And actually, uh, we have our guest, our first guest tonight, Nate, uh, all the way from Detroit, Pennsylvania, and a big thank you. Detroit, did I say Detroit, Pennsylvania? 'Cause I looked I down on my did. notes and I saw Pennsylvania. From Detroit, Michigan. Big mistake. My 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 bad. Um a writer for the Detroit Pistons that we gotta thank for getting here last minute notice on uh you know, a couple days after the big trade. Rod Beard, are you there? Yeah, yeah, I'm here. Thanks for having me on. Thank you.
0: Nate? Yeah, thanks, Rod, for coming on and um we just wanna talk a little bit right now about the trade that everybody's been talking about since it went down, it was shocking news. It's, you know, I think about five o'clock everybody saw the deal was, was close to being done this and, and then within an hour, boom, done. Uh, the Pistons have acquired Blake Griffin. How does that change what the Pistons are looking to do this season?
3: Well, I think it just changes the overall makeup and, and every team needs to get an, an alpha guy, uh, guy that you can come down in every possession you can look to and he can do a lot of different things more importantly just scoring the ball Blake Griffin has the whole arsenal for you he can distribute he can rebound he can score uh, obviously plays above the rim uh, and he's just a guy who knows how to get the ball in the basket average over 20 points a game uh, and, and if you're going to contend and contend seriously you need to have one of those guys uh, the Pistons owner Tom Goris said that the contending teams, the elite teams, have two or three of them, and the Pistons didn't really have one. So they're just starting on their way to being a contending-level team. And they've been trying to get a guy like that for the past couple of years. We know they were involved in that Al Horford uh, chase a couple of years ago in free agency, and it just didn't work out. But now they finally got their guy, and, and they're happy about it. He's going to be past physical, everything's done with that trade, and he's going to play tomorrow against the Memphis Grizzlies.
1: That's cool. He opens up uh, tomorrow. Uh, Blake Griffin, I've always been a fan of. Came out much like Ben Simmons. Uh, sat out his first year out of Oklahoma. Couple uh, knee problems that he had to clean up. And he took the lead by storm with the Lob City. And uh, I was uh, reflecting, but we'll get out. We'll get on this a little bit later uh, as far as Clippers. But I was reflecting on all the talent they had at one point, and it's almost amazing that they didn't do nothing with that such dissension out there. But uh, what kind of lineup does Coach Van Gundy plan to have at this point now that uh, Avery and uh, Tobias are gone?
3: Well, those are the two leading scorers uh, that the Pistons had. So it's going to create some uh, chemistry issues and just trying to figure out who's going to play where. I guess that they'd want to start – Stanley Johnson at the small forward uh, replacing Harris or or moving Harris from the 4 to the 3 and then Blake to the 4. And then probably Reggie Bullock to start out, and then eventually they'd want to see what their rookie Luke Kennard has uh, and if he can play a bigger role this year as a rookie or maybe moving into uh, next year and beyond. But they've got some some roster options on the wing, and they played very, very well the other day against the Cavs, yesterday against the Cavs. Uh, in that surprising win at home for the Pistons. So I think there's going to be a little bit of growing pains. they got to figure out how to integrate Blake into uh, their offense and kind of how to play together. And then down the line, they've got Reggie Jackson coming back from that ankle injury that – is going to give them another injection of offense and infusion of offense. But then they've got to learn how to play with him and Blake and all of that. So these next few weeks are just going to be maybe a little tumultuous for the Pistons and just trying to put some stuff together and figuring out how to play. It's like uh, you're playing at the gym and, and you got five guys, but then you lose and then you pick up two additional guys that you hadn't played with before, and now you've got to figure out a way to make all of that stuff work.
1: Right.
0: Well, Rod, I saw that you had tweeted earlier today um, a quote where I don't know if it was you that asked or another reporter asked Blake Griffin about the comparison of Andre Drummond to DeAndre Jordan, and the response Blake said was Drummond is bigger and he's more talented than DeAndre Jordan. And I don't know if a lot of people would even think that, but if you follow the league closely, that's, to me it's kind of obvious that, that Drummond's a way better player than Jordan. What What are your thoughts on Griffin saying
3: that? Well, and that's actually my fault. I mistweeted a little bit. I heard talented, but he actually said more physical. So he's bigger and more physical than DeAndre Jordan, which is actually true. They play a different style of game. Certainly Drummond is probably equal or a better rebounder. They go back and forth between number one and number two in the league in rebounding. But I think it's just a, a little bit different. He might be more skilled in the sense of a traditional big man who has a left-hand, right-hand hook. He can post up a little bit differently, where uh, DeAndre Jordan is more residual. He works off of his point guard and does a lot more that way than trying to score on his own. It doesn't really matter. I think there are a lot of parallels between the way that those two play. And if you're can, if you're Blake Griffin and you can play with DeAndre Jordan, you can certainly play with DeAndre. Uh, Andre Drummond, who's probably a a much better passer. And that's going to help, too, because now in the high load you can switch those two around and have Drummond at the top and Blake posting up, which you probably wouldn't have done a lot of with DeAndre Jordan.
1: Uh, Conversely, on the uh, L.A. end of the deal, um, you saw Tobias Harris and Avery Bradley play all year. Uh, They're joining a team that's pretty much imploded. I think they're going out there to basically, you know, play by themselves. It seems like uh, Jordan's on the block. Uh, Lou Williams is on the block. That's an interesting subplot there. Like, I, I think clearly Detroit got the better end of the deal as far as immediate impact. Yeah, you would
3: think so. That um, it, it almost feels like the Clippers are going through this cleanse, that they're going to try to... Um, clean their books up and get out of a lot of that long-term debt that they had. And that's probably the only reason you'd do that for Blake Griffin, um, assuming that they don't know about some injury or some anything else that uh, a longer-term risk. But the Pistons were willing to take that on. But again, you, if you just feel like the makeup and the construction of this roster just isn't what you want to do, they're doing the right thing. They're just assembling a bunch of draft picks. And then – uh just trying to start over and hit reset. And within the next couple of years, maybe they'll be viably competitive again. But I think with Jerry West joining up with them and and advising in that role, that they just figured out, look, this isn't going to work. If we didn't, with all the talent, as you mentioned, the talent that they had within the past few years, if that didn't work and they didn't win with that group, then looking at Golden State, who's in that same division, same conference, if they're not able to win right now, why not just press reset restart this whole thing with a different group of players, and look down the road at maybe four, maybe five years when you don't have this version of Golden State, and you might be able to be more competitive then. So it's it's kicking the can down the road, but cleansing yourself of, of and purging some of those bigger salaries and preparing to compete at a different time.
0: Well, Rod, you got Blake Griffin in Detroit now for, unless you want to move him again, he's contractually there for four about four and a half years now, so Smart move to me on the Pistons to get him early on in this big contract. Now it's going to cost them, but I think the cost of having a Blake Griffin helps the Pistons, and they're going to build around that piston or that Griffin Drummond um, front court. And with Cousin Demarcus Cousins going down, I think Drummond Griffin. I think that's the best front court in the league right now. If you're trying to come in on that, best of luck to you.
3: Yeah, and that's what they're looking for. Even though the rest of the league is predominantly wing players and guards who are uh, dominating a lot of the teams, you're going to have a couple of instances where it's not that. You're going to get your LeBron and Kevin Love type combinations that are still very formidable. And and in the Eastern Conference, that's something that the Pistons are dealing with right now. It's trying to move ahead of teams like that. and What Boston has uh, as well with Horford and uh, what they're trying to put together with some of their other bigs, so I think what Sam and Gundy said is they're just trying to do it a different way. If everybody else is doing it with guards, if you don't have the elite guards in the league, then you're just doing it with second-tier talent, and, and you're not doing it with as good of a group as everybody else is. So if there aren't a lot of teams that have two bigs that they're building around, maybe doing it different is the way to go, and, and that can start you on a different way to try to be competitive. And they'll have to adjust to you. If they don't have the bigs to match up, then you'd have a physical advantage down in the team and. Uh, with the way that those two guys play at 6'10", yeah, it's going to be a matchup problem for some smaller
1: teams. This is a little bit off topic, but Blake coming to, t- to the city of Detroit, hes uh, I've seen him with Donald Cerrone training MMA. I've seen him uh, doing stand-up comedy. He's a personality a little bit larger than basketball, and, uh, you know, he lost a little bit on his uh, – vertical I guess. He's he's improved his three point shot and I think he's became a better all around player. But uh, I th- I think you got a, a personality as well there that you could uh that maybe the Clippers didn't really exploit. I mean you had the whole Donald Sterling mess and as we talked about earlier they had, you know, Paul and Reddick and Crawford and uh Griffin and Jordan and you name it. They 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 were stacked and now it's it's kinda like uh you know, Blake's in a Blake's in a good spot, I think. And uh, does the city feel that way as well?
3: Well, uh, the temperature that I'm getting here is more of they didn't want the Pistons to go all in financially. That the risk doesn't outweigh the potential reward. That uh, again, in 2021-22, Blake's going to be making 39 million dollars, and, and with a guy who's got his biggest trait is his athleticism, and has been his athleticism that if you're banking on the injuries not cropping up again, that's a very, very big risk that you're taking. And there are no guarantees that he's very much been missing 10, 20 games a season, hasn't played more than 70 uh, in the past few years. So if you're banking on that and, and paying that amount of money, that could very well be spent somewhere else. You could have two $20 million players for that same amount. Is Blake still going to be that athletic in four more years when he's 33? Yeah, that's a big question.
1: Great point. Well,
3: Rob,
0: we appreciate you coming on with us here tonight. I don't, we don't want to take up too much of your time. And, again, thank you for being uh, you know, kind of a short last-minute guest here, but we really wanted to get an insider on the Detroit Pistons end of things, and we will be watching tomorrow night intently as Blake Griffin makes his debut with the Detroit Pistons. And, Rob, thank you so much for coming on with us tonight. and Make sure everybody goes out and follows Rob on Twitter. Rob, you want to go ahead and give him a shout-out where you can follow you on Twitter
3: at Debt News, D-E-T News Rod Beard, R-O-D B-E-A-R-D. Thank you guys. Appreciate you having
1: me on. You're the man. No problem. Anytime, sir. Thank you. Always welcome. Okay. Cool dude. Glad glad you looked him up, Nate.
0: No problem, T.R. And Rod's a great guy, and we appreciate his time uh, coming on the show here with us and giving us some insight that we didn't have beforehand. And interesting conversation, but Speaking of interesting conversations, T.R., don't you hate trying to buy condoms at a grocery store or a department store or a drugstore?
1: Don't you hate that? Yeah, especially at 48 years old. They're like, you're not married, you creepy bastard. Yeah, have you ever had that moment when you're with a woman?
0: You probably haven't in a long time, but where you're alone with a woman and you don't have any condoms and you don't want to raw dog it because you're afraid of things that might happen. And, you know, it's just kind of... It's just kind of a pain, don't you think?
1: Yeah, it, it can be a little awkward and and you know, you got to stay safe, brother, and you got to uh, you got to look out for yourself. Where where are you going with this, Nate? Well, I'm just going to give a big
0: shout to our sponsor, beadandy.com. B E A D A N D Y.com. Never run out of condoms. They're less expensive than buying them at the store. And shipping is discreet, and a condom purchase without that weird, awkward moment at the drugstore, especially if you have to go to the grocery store and get them, you end up buying all those, you know, you buy a package of hot dogs, or you buy a big sausage, or something like that, then it just gets weird, and you got people thinking weird things about you. Order online at beadandy.com slash podcast. That's B-E-A-D-A-N-D-Y slash podcast. And you have a special promotion for our listeners, 50% off the starter pack. That's a $3 first order. It's six condoms. And then after that, guys, it's only $6 a month. You're going to get condoms. And if you have a condom subscription, you're going to get laid more. That's just how it is. Be a Check them out. And we want to thank them for sponsoring us again this week.
1: Absolutely. Thank you. Be a dandy. And, uh, you know, now I can discreetly buy condoms and not have to use the used ones. Yeah, that's great. You know, I definitely don't want to use and use condoms. Yeah, I just find them on the street and just see if it'll fit. Kind of like an old cigarette, you yeah. know? <laughs> <laughs> of course, we're joking, but a uh, great sponsor because, you know, in the big picture, it's all about being safe and healthy in your adult lifestyle. Definitely, definitely. And what do, what do we got to talk about before uh, our friend from Minnesota joins us?
0: Well, T.R., I, I found this out today, and we may not get to talk about this long, but I saw Nikola Mirchich has been shut down by the Chicago Bulls. They have They are not letting him play until after the trade deadline. They are trying to trade this guy. They had a deal done Tuesday with the Pelicans to trade him to New Orleans, but apparently – Miracic nixed that trade and stopped it from happening. So well, a lot of interesting development there.
1: Pulled a Hulk, Hulk Hogan with creative control. He Did and he did? No, no trade clause, and uh, you know a lot of guys. I guess WCW guys. Eric Bischoff signed him that deal or something. with yeah, Apparently, t-
0: apparently, there was a Time Warner fiasco up there with Mirichits. But I think that's an interesting thing to look at. Miracic apparently doesn't want to go play for the Pelicans, and. I'm. I guess they're wanting to get rid of him because of Laurel Markin and has come on so strong as a rookie, and I, you know, two guys very similar positions, and the Bulls are looking to get better, and I guess they want. I don't know what the I don't know what the potential trade was, but with Boogie Cousins going down for the season, the Pelicans looking to make a splash and try to keep that that playoff spot because rumor has it. If they can't get anything by the trade deadline, I think Anthony Davis. If they if they're not making any moves, Anthony Davis will be maybe gone. Well, you know we have uh, the deadline's the eighth, correct? Yeah, actually, we have our special trade deadline show next week on the seventh, where we're going di- to probably discuss potential trades, and there could be a lot happen within a week. I posted a video when the Blake Griffin trade went down on Twitter. So make sure you're following us on Twitter, at WideJump, and we will update you anytime there's a trade. Anything that happens, I will try my best if you to put a video out there via Periscope, and we'll do our best to keep our listeners informed between shows. Um, so definitely keep up with us on social media. So that's going to be a fun time next week, talking trades and... Figuring out what's going to happen. But in a couple of weeks, TR, let me check the date for sure. I believe it's the 21st of February. We are being joined by a salary cap specialist from the NBA. He's on NBA TV all the time. He will be joining us on the show to talk about the trade deadline, what happened at the trade deadline, and where we go from here. This is Eric Pincus is his name. He'll be on NBA TV next week actually so that's why he can't get with us until the 21st so guys be paying attention and we're gonna have some guests on here talking about salary cap issues among other things what within a, the coming what
1: a bad choice going on nba tv instead of all wide men can't jump well you know anyway, he doesn't we'll, we'll he doesn't take know him anyway yet. he doesn't know how huge we are overseas yeah. and on different continents and worldwide but Definitely. Uh, but yeah i mean I, i'd love to be smartened up to that part of the business because you know with the uh Luxury tax and making the numbers even out in certain trades and uh, some people have to eat contracts and uh, collective bargaining agreements and this, that, and the other players' unions and not, no trade clauses, which you just brought up with Miritich. I mean, there's so much going on with these guys that we do need a resident expert and hopefully he'll enjoy himself and actually come in and smarten us up every once in a while to what's going on.
0: Oh, yeah, he'll be here with us, and we are looking forward to having him here. And we got—we just got so much. We have so many people that we're in the process of talking with and getting on the show, current and former NBA players. I'm excited to see where we get to here this year, TR. We're 14 episodes in, and I think we've made a major impact so far. And we appreciate everybody out there for supporting us, guys like Tim Dombrova, Scott Roberts, Armando, karen a plus all those people out there that have supported us from day one we appreciate you and if you're just now joining on the bandwagon there's plenty of room for you get on the wide men can't jump train because we are going straight to the top the biggest podcast about the nba there is mainly by weight
1: um machine i'm sorry nate i was uh talking while you were talking oh you're fine uh, we, we haven't got a hold of our guests yet, so we could we could ramble on for a couple minutes um no, go ahead go we, ahead we, we we had some things to talk about uh the all star teams were announced as we went through last week, which i wasn't totally prepared for, but in a way it's good I wasn't because three of them are now gone uh John wall is out for two months getting quote cleaned up his uh shooting percentage was down about five percent this week or this year this week um, <laughs> getting his knee cleaned up and uh you know, uh, if you watched him, I mean, I, I thought he was one of the most explosive guys in the NBA last year. He, he didn't seem as, he didn't seem John Wall-esque. He's still a great player, number one overall pick out of the University of Kentucky back in the day. Um, the Wizards still need a big piece, but I think it's a good time for him to, uh, as I said, clean up in his words. And the East, that's why I go back to the Sixers with the East with all these things. Kevin Love, boom. Uh, I believe it's his uh, arm or hand. Is it? He broke, yeah, I believe he broke so. his he, Hand. It's, yeah, and
0: he's he's going to miss six to eight weeks. He also is going to miss the All Star game. It's.
2: I saw something on Twitter. Not to interrupt you guys. Sorry, but uh, no, go ahead. It was funny. Um, it was like it, someone said, it looked like LeBron James had the most stacked um, NBA All Star lineup, and every other day now they're dropping him like flies. That's true.
1: It really is. He lost
2: lost DeMarcus Cousins. He's out
0: for the season. No more Boogie Cousins this year. And depending on how the surgery goes, it may be November before he can come back. They're expecting him to be back for the start of next season. But, you know, worst-case scenario, November. And there's a lot of people worried about him saying, well, what if he can't be the player that he was before? Because an Achilles injury is – that's a major injury if you're an NBA player. If you're a professional basketball player, that's a huge injury. Especially if you're a big and, man. Well,
2: any any sport really, like look at Ryan Howard for the Phillies, that his Achilles injury ruined his career. He was never the same after. He couldn't hit the long ball. I mean, he could still hit the long ball, but he was striking out a lot. But even, even that's less physical game than basketball. Yeah, that's a that's a tough tough injury for a, it's a real shame.
1: I'm not pandering to our New Orleans Pelicans fans, but just for the NBA, because that guy, you know, when he was a king, he had, you know, just coming out of college, he was just uh, looked at as maybe a hothead, a lot of technicals, a lot of off-the-court issues, nothing crazy, but, you know, just looked at in a different way, and when he got with his old teammate, Anthony Davis, he seemed to have, like, such a, a great demeanor right now, and, Actually, he's walked away from fights and confrontations in the games and so forth. And any night can put up forty and twenty. So he's obviously been one of the most talented, if not the most talented, big men in the NBA for you know the last couple of years. So uh, you know, shout out to boogie if somehow you got our tweets and are listening to our future guests. We love you, man. And I'm uh, a huge, I am a
0: huge Demarcus Cousins fan. He's probably my favorite player that's not a Timberwolf. I'll say that. I love the way that dude approaches the basketball game. I've been a fan of his for years, so much so I name my fantasy basketball team after him. So what, the Boogies,
1: nah, Boogies Knights. <laughs> I was gonna say I was I was wondering what variation of the, of that name you would use, uh, but yeah, that man. that's secretly from that Mark Wahlberg movie where you saw his fake dong.
0: Well, he should have used beadandy.com, and he wouldn't have had all the issues that he would have had right there when he was looking at wowfreecam.com. I see. Good good tie-in, man. Good,
1: Thank you. Thank good you. callback.
0: You guys, uh, uh, we've got the Super Bowl coming up Sunday, as you guys well know. I'll let you two discuss the Eagles. I'm going to see if I can get our guest on the line,
1: okay? I'll be right with you. Yeah, do your thing. Me and Jeff will have a lot of fun, and some of our listeners who are uh, – In our market, the Philadelphia market and surrounding areas, uh, this is the greatest thing in quite a long time. And you hear the song in in our background. Fly, 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 fly. Fly, eagle. Help me, Jeff. Score Score a touchdown, one, two, three. three. Hit them low, hit them high. And watch the eagles fly. Fly, Eagles fly on the road to victory. E A G L E S Eagles! Yeah, sorry, we had to do it. We had to wake up in the second half of Why Men Can't Jump because it's NFL for 15, 20 minutes, maybe until we get our guest on, maybe five minutes, but who knows. But. It is the biggest week of the NFL, and it's the biggest week of Philadelphia in this market, Jeff. We are uh, surrounding – we're taking over Minneapolis, man. We are just – Every report is that we're calm, cool, and collected, and it's just like any other week for us. We've played 18 games in this season. We're 15 up and three down, brother. And uh, quite frankly, in the trenches, our offensive line, and our defensive line, they can talk about the Brady and uh, Foles disparity, which if Foles steps up like he did last week, Two weeks ago, almost, uh, you know, there's not going to be that much of a disparity, but uh, obviously one of the all-time greatest, if not the greatest, quarterback, Tom Brady. We've got to give him his respect, of whether we like him or not. Um, and Belichick, with their crafty, no pun intended with their owner's name, um, alleged cheating and sometimes proven cheating. We're going up in a 14-year rematch against the evil, or 13-year, against the evil empire. And I, I just, uh, you know, we discussed off air that it's a little uncomfortable because coming into the playoffs, everybody was, like, thinking, oh, Atlanta's going to beat us and Minnesota's going to beat us and blah, blah, blah. And we kind of knew, like a lot of us kind of knew, that this team's special. And now the the vibe's changed, and I
2: don't want it to change. And, and let me hear your take on that. Well, I think it all stems down and starts with Doug Peterson. Um, honestly, I haven't seen a coach come in here. And and bring a team together and get them to buy in as quickly as he has. And he, the way he handles the team, the way he, he treats his players, it, it, it's like a big family. And honestly, I haven't seen that camaraderie in Philadelphia like that. This just this feels a lot different. This feels a lot different than the 0-4 Super Bowl. Um, they're just they're they seem confident they seem ready they then they all have each other's backs and the whole underdogs thing i kind of wish that the the media the media is a little bit more um on the Eagles side going into the super bowl which makes me a little worried which also like finally makes me um it makes me happy to see that they're getting the recognition finally but you know, I kind of wish that they were rolling with the uh, the the underdog thing more in going into the Super Bowl.
1: Yeah, se- uh, several multi million dollar bets there in Las Vegas have moved the uh, betting line from at one point six. Some said five and a half everywhere I saw it down to
2: four. They said that um, parks is it Parks Casino in Delaware? What's the one in Delaware? That's Delaware Delaware Park. Delaware Park. They're saying that Delaware Park Casino actually could lose money this Sunday because of how many bets that are being placed on the Eagles. Yeah, I mean, I don't know, man. Like you said, it's special. And speaking of special,
1: um, this is an honor for us. On the line, we have a former NBA veteran, a uh, philanthropist, a... Uh, currently an analyst for the Minnesota T-Wolves, and he's also had a background in coaching in the WNBA. The guys did just about everything. And it's my pleasure and Nate's pleasure to welcome Jim Peterson. Jim, are you there?
4: I'm here. I got kind of mixed up uh, on the timing. Here, cause, um, you said 930, and it's only 830 here, so we kind of got twisted up. Sorry about that, guys.
0: That's I thought know. I put Eastern time on that. I'm sorry. <laughs>
4: Yeah, I you know I just so we we've been changing, we've been cr- crisscrossing the country here. We just got off the road uh, with the wolves. Uh, been in Atlanta and Toronto back to back. It's been a it's been a crazy five game and seven days uh, tour for us in two countries and all these time zones. It's been nuts. So uh, anyway, it's kind of it's an honor for me to be on Wide Men Can't Jump. This is uh, this is
1: pretty cool. Thank you. I uh, I want to blame everything on Nate. I'm Tr uh, Jim. Nate was uh, is our Booker and also the co-host extraordinaire from West Virginia, but a die-hard T-Wolves guy. So this is kind of right. uh, of a strange irony that uh, your city. We'll get into uh, a few things with you about obviously the T-Wolves and your career and so forth. But but just since coming off what Jeff and I were speaking about, your city is loaded with. Uh, quite frankly, a bunch of crazy Philadelphians and some crazy Boston people, I imagine, and celebrities and so forth, and uh, you know, what's it like out there?
4: Well, my wife tried getting me to go out with her tonight. They were all uh, going downtown to, I mean, there's a bunch of stuff happening uh, downtown. I know uh, several of the people that have been on the Super Bowl committee here for the last three years, and um might even be longer than that actually when they first when they first got announced, but um it's you know it's it 's kind of a weird place because you know when you think of the Super Bowl you think of you know Pasadena, you think of miami, um, you think of warm weather you know <laughs> cities, and you don 't think of um places like Minneapolis, but the the new stadium is just amazing, and then you know they 've got things the way they have it set up downtown you know there's a there 's a street downtown called Nicollet uh Nicollet Mall. It's the Nicolet Mall. And they can it's basically only for buses and it's kind of uh high, you know, end shopping. Uh, but it's a very quaint street and they've got um all kinds of concert stage set up. They've got um you know fires like on every block where you can kinda get warmed up. Um they've got ice block uh bars that um like every like every scattered around every place and um so it's really it's got it's a cool atmosphere. Um, you know i am not really into like checking out what philly fans and Boston fans are doing, so I'm staying home <laughs> um just because i'm i you know i I just have already had my fill of those people um on the road so gotcha. um, I don't need any batteries i don't need any batteries chucked at me <laughs> or snowballs or who knows what philly <laughs> fans are gonna do
0: just
4: you know I don't know if you guys read all the stories that, that you know, I've, and I've heard anecdotally a lot of uh, a lot of my friends who Went to the game. Those Philly fans are insane, and if you were, if you're, if you're really uh, uh, brave enough to wear your team colors in Philly land, uh, then then I, I don't know if you should get your head checked or something because those people were very rude to our fans there.
1: Yeah, is it, is it is it brave or is it stupidity? I don't know. That's that's always been the age old question. Um, you know, I, that's 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 what I was wondering about. I don't want to carry on about that till till uh, after Nate gets to Nate's Dying to talk to you about the T-Wolves. <laughs> Go ahead, well,
0: uh, Mr. Peterson, sir, I just want to say it's an honor to speak with you here. I am a diehard Minnesota Timberwolves fan and have been since I was 11 years old. And right. I hear you hear you and Dave call the games. I buy League Pass just so I can listen to you guys. And you do a phenomenal job calling the game. And I appreciate you coming on the show. All right, there. I got my kiss Thanks, butt moment out of the way. I'm very excited to talk to you about Wolves basketball. So the two-game road trip to Toronto and to Atlanta. Not exactly the way the Wolves had planned that road trip. Uh, I heard Dave talk about he thought that it should be a one-on-one road trip after the Atlanta game, and I watched that game, and I thought the Wolves came out. They kind of looked flat, and Teague wasn't hitting the shots that he normally hits, and he went one of 12. It was just a rough night all around for the Wolves on the road, especially doing on the road back to backs.
4: Yeah, and, you know, and and um, and Jeff Teague has sort of you know been up and down, and the Wolves has in general they've uh, they've not been <laughs> good against Eastern Conference. Um, you know that the East for some reason they played down to their competition. Um, you know they we just got off another uh, road trip. We did. Uh, actually, uh, beat the Toronto Raptors ten days ago. Actually, eleven days now, uh, without Jimmy Butler. But you know, we we did we did play without Jimmy Butler for an extended period of time. Like you know, it was like four games or whatever it was um, that, we, that we missed Jimmy, and uh, the the Raptors game was one of them. In fact, that was the first of the four. So, Wolves go on January twentieth. They beat the Raptors on the twentieth. Then, they, then we hit the road, and we go to uh, the Clippers and Trailblazers. We beat the Clippers, and Teague actually had 30 points in that game. He actually played really well. but that, So that was on Monday the 22nd, um, and it was the games after that. We have to go to you know, another back-to-back against uh, the Trailblazers and Warriors. I mean, that's a heck of a road trip. I mean, you got Raptors, Clippers, and then you got a back-to-back at, at Blazers at Golden State. You come home and play one game against Brooklyn, and then you got to go back on the road and play three, and so uh, or play two. Excuse me, play a back-to-back at Atlanta at Raptors. Teague was was terrible in Atlanta. You know, you're thinking he's going back home. He's from that area. He played for the Hawks for a number of years, and um, he's going back for the first time as a Minnesota Timberwolf. He was there last year, um, obviously when he was with Indiana. But it's been it's been very disappointing. You know, you. You sign a guy for 19 million, and you have these expectations, and so many fans. And as you know, Nate, is that so many people are, you know, roasting Tom Thibodeau, the GM Tom Thibodeau, um, for you know trading Ricky Rubio away, and uh, and signing Jeff Teague. So Ricky Rubio makes about 14 million. Uh, Teague makes 19. Uh, what you could have done with that, you know. Five million to, in terms of signing another shooter, perhaps, um, is is Teague five million dollars better than Ricky Rubio? And that's that's kind of like the narrative that's going on right now. Um, and so people, you know, and, and and so what I always tell people, I said, look, that ship has sailed. You know, we can sit here and have the debate, you can sit there and talk about it, but I don't, I don't really want to like get be on air debating the virtues of Jeff Teague and Ricky Rubio. Um, and you know, and then we're also fighting the narrative. You, if you watch the Timberwolves play, we're fighting the narrative of Jeff Teague versus Tyus Jones. Um, and so people are saying, you know, Tyus should be playing more than Jeff Teague. Jeff Teague is is you know, in, in just objectively, he's a better point guard than Tyus Jones. He's he can score yeah. more. He's maybe not defensively. Tyus has become pretty good, but but by by any measure, Jeff Teague is a better point guard than Tyus Jones. Um, and it's just been—I just feel bad for Jeff because he's—he's—he's he's, he's trying to overcome the, the Ricky Rubio thing on one side. I mean, he's got to you know, like overcome the homegrown Tyus Jones thing on the other side. And uh, it's been very difficult for him, and he has not played well, you know, uh, over the past couple of weeks since he came back from injury.
1: Gotcha. Uh, I have—I have a question. Uh, I'm 20 years older than Nate. Um, Jim, Mister Peterson, I should call you. Um, you can so, call me Jim, please. So, <laughs> thanks, buddy.
4: Even though uh, I'm an old man, I got, I got, I'm, so I'm i I'll be fifty six in, in on February twenty second. So, how much do I have, you guys, by? Uh,
1: I'm forty eight, and Nate's a real young guy. He's twenty seven over there. Twenty seven. Right. Yeah. But uh, I, I grew up, you know, not, not six ten. You're six ten, right? Yep. I grew up to be a. Uh, a little bit fat now, but six foot one well, uh, by some measurements. But I believe it or not. Just a, the wide men, right? Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and the, uh, the nobody believes me in this era that I was a point guard at one point. But uh, <laughs> uh, looking back in your background, and I remember, believe it or not, my, my, my plateau, my heyday was when I was 17 years old. And uh, one of the greatest things for me would be going to the newsstand and buying a Street and Smiths basketball preview. And, oh yeah and looking at the uh you were already uh, oh i love that established by then uh you're i think you were at 1980 which brings up my point um mr basketball in the state of minnesota i, yeah. I could like uh, you know i i had dreams of that you know title in pennsylvania and uh you know, obviously, I might have been Mr. Basketball in Clifton Heights for about six months, but you know, in the whole state of Minnesota, as as a guy in high school, was it like did it start becoming a reality? Then, like, wow, I, I have a good shot at being a professional basketball player at this point.
4: Well, I mean, I I really didn't know until I made it. Really, I think I think about um, I was McDonald's All American. In fact, I'm the first McDonalds all American from the the state of Minnesota, they you know, so I like you said, I was um Mr. Basketball of Minnesota in nineteen eighty and I think the McDonalds all American game started in seventy seven. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't like there was a long history before I was in high school of naming McDonalds all Americans. But um anyway I was the first one. Um and so then I, I you know, I, you know, a funny thing is like when I was recruited by all these different schools, I actually wanted to go to Duke. I signed and committed to Duke University when I was in high school. Um, the, in 1978, Duke played Kentucky for the national championship, and I, for some reason I just fell in love with that Duke team. I fell in love with Mike Cheminsky and Gene Banks and Kenny Denard and um, Jim Spinarkel and just that really good Duke team. And um, The spring quarter of my senior year in high school – um, Bill Foster, who recruited me to go to Duke, left. And this guy named Mike Krzyzewski came in. Oh. And I don't, Mike think, I don't actually, think I'm familiar. Um, <laughs> yeah, this guy named Krzyzewski. That's how long Coach K's been at Duke, by the way. Yeah, He's been there, He's been there since 1980. Uh, and so Coach K actually flew to Minnesota. I was leaving for the McDonald's All-American game the next day to, in Oakland. Um, and Coach K asked me, to, he, he, he flew to Minneapolis, and I went and met him at the Thunderbird Hotel, which is where the Mall of America is right now. Um, and Coach K and I met, and I broke up with Coach K at the Thunderbird Hotel in 1980. <laughs> um, and, so, and so I didn't know who Coach K was. You know, in my mind, Coach K was, <clears throat> all I knew about him is that he was a bad night disciple from West Point. And so, so I I broke up with Bobby Knight that night, um, and then went, next morning went to the, uh, the airport and met Jim Dutcher, the head coach of the basketball of the University of Minnesota, and signed uh, to go to Minnesota at that point. And you know, and and it's not until I get to Minnesota that I realize hey, I'm kind of stacking up. I was skinny, and I was a late bloomer. You know, I was um, I was six ten, but you know like when you're playing against men i mean back then everybody stayed four years you guys weren't leaving early and so you know you're putting you're 18 you're playing against 22 year olds i mean these guys were were like some big strong dudes you know yeah and um it wasn't until i got to houston got got drafted by houston that i really knew i was going to make it um it's been it's been a it's been a crazy ride too when i think about you know being this kid from st louis park minnesota that i you know I've done all this stuff. You know, I've been able to play in the NBA, played for three teams. You know, I've been broadcasting for the Timberwolves for 20 years. Um, it's, I've seen a lot of stuff. I've been, I've been around a lot of great people. Um, but one of the biggest regrets I have, in fact, it's the only regret, is that I wonder what would have happened had I gone to Duke. You know what I mean? Like, I, I, what would have happened? I could be a senator right now, something I went to Duke. You know, you never know. You know, I could, be, I could be Jay Billis. Jay Billis may have never happened had i gone to do because maybe jay billis at that point doesn't go to do you know what i mean like who knows how the dominoes fall
1: yeah yeah well as far as the senate and so forth there's you know never say never
0: <laughs> i like you better as a basketball analysis than jay billis you know, anyway jim, don't politics. worry about that
4: no i am not going into politics trust me
0: <laughs> well getting back to the wolves you mentioned tyus jones earlier jim and Tyus has really impressed me this season as as a guy who watched him at Duke. And then when we drafted him, I was really excited to see what he could do. And he was kind of a stepped in. He was behind Rubio. And I was like, yeah, the kid, I don't know if he's going to translate to an NBA player. And I watched him. I I would go to make trips to Charlotte every time the Wolves are in town and watch him. And Tyus has this season really turned it on and become an an excellent off-the-bench weapon for Coach Thibodeau, and he's playing very, very well on the defensive end as well. I really like the way Tyus is maturing. Um, has Coach Thibodeau been working with him, or has that been uh, more so Tyus learning from the veterans on the team, like Jeff Teague, like Jimmy Butler, guys like that?
4: Nate, are you bringing up a Duke University guy to rub it in?
0: Is that what you're doing? <laughs> no, no, <laughs> never. never okay. I would never do that.
4: you got to go right to the Duke guy. Rub it in.
0: Not such a smooth segment. <laughs> Here I am.
4: Uh, you know, I'm 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 second guessing my entire life choices now, and you got to bring up Tyus. You know,
0: you're doing, really you're doing better sport. than I am in life, Jim. Don't worry about
3: that.
4: <laughs> <laughs> no, I. You know, you know, Tibbs doesn't work with anybody. You know, Tibbs. He I mean, he coaches people, but it's the assistants that that do the day in day out workouts with these guys to make it better. I mean, yes. Tibbs is. Um, you know, I, you know, I don't know. It's it's very frustrating for me because I think that on, on the one hand, Tyus has gotten better and he's and he's and he's become a, a pretty important piece. Uh, when Teague was hurt and went and, and went down, um, Tyus stepped in and Minnesota operated pretty well when Tyus was in there. Um, and now that Jeff Teague is back, Tyus has gone back to playing his 12 to 15 minutes a game, where I think that it should be a 28-20 split. I think that tie should be on the floor for at least 20 minutes a game. And so, you know, the question is, is you know, is he going to get out of that 12- to 15-minute mode and, and, and ramp it up a little bit because they actually operate better. They're, the numbers are better for Minnesota when Tyus Jones is on the floor in terms of his ability to distribute and, and, and get guys in, you know, organize the offense, get guys in their sets, um, defensively he's a better defender than Jeff Teague um, so the differential is you know a lot of times um, offensive and defensive efficiency is, is better with Tyus is on the floor So, uh, but the thing about it is that is that Tom Thibodeau didn't draft Tyus Jones he signed Jeff Teague as a free agent and gave him $19 million a year so if you're Tom Thibodeau who are you going to try to establish a role with you know and I think you have to keep that in the back of your mind when you're watching this team, and you say, "Why doesn't Tyus play more?" I mean, people are tweeting at me all the time, and the Rouse asking me all the time, "Why doesn't Tyus play more? Why doesn't Tyus play more?" It's not that difficult to figure out. You know what I mean, Nate? I mean, it's just not yeah. that figure. It's not that difficult to figure out. Tyus, Tom Thibodeau did not draft Tyus Jones. He 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 acquired jeff Teague and paid him a lot of money and so he can't let jeff Teague fail he's got to yeah. do everything he can to keep jeff Teague confident if you were to hear tom Thibodeau in a in a media scrum um he swerves out of his way to re- inform everybody that jeff Teague is one of the best point guards in the nba yeah i mean he'll mm-hmm. be taught somebody will be talking about carl anthony towns and jimmy butler and They'll go and oh by the way, you know we've got Jeff Teague, who's one of the best players, uh, one of the best point guards in the NBA. So when fans are scratching their heads and they're saying why isn't Ty's playing more, Um, I mean it's just not that difficult to figure out.
0: Yeah, yeah, and you talk about Coach Coach Thibodeau, he is notorious for playing his starters a lot of minutes. That's something that a lot of people complain about. Now I've not been one to complain about our starters seeing a lot of minutes, but. We're looking at a playoff berth for the first time since I was in middle school. So this is something – that's not a joke. Uh, And it's not
4: funny either.
0: No, it's not. (laughs) It's not.
4: I've been been along for this ride. It's bad.
0: 2004, that's for sure. Yeah, 2004 I was in eighth grade. So uh, I had my Garnett jersey back then, and I got made fun of by everybody for being the loser that was a T-Wolves fan. I said, you wait and see. One day, and 14 years later, here I am. But uh, but one thing is, do you think Coach Tibbs plays his starters too many minutes and doesn't rely on his bench enough, other than Jamal Crawford?
4: Um, no, I don't. I don't. You know, I mean, obviously Tibbs Tibbs does like to roll with his starters, but you know, I mean, who doesn't want to play their best players? I think that I fault Tom Thibodeau, the GM, more than I fault Tom Thibodeau, coach, um, mm-hmm. for you know the the. The unbalanced roster that this that we have here, you know, it's like, you know, I, I just don't, I don't understand the virtue of signing Cole Aldrich. I mean, you're 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 wasting seven eight million dollars in salary cap with Cole Aldridge. Now Cole is a great yeah. guy, and and he's uh, and he's um, a tremendous teammate, and he he helps the chemistry of your team, but you could you could get that for three million or two million, or even the veterans minimum. You know what I mean? Like Cole Aldrich yeah. doesn't deserve. 8 million dollars in salary and he never plays. I mean he he just he's not he's not good enough right now. So I mean that that hurts. I mean like you could we need shooters. You know what I mean? Like Minnesota Timberwolves need shooters badly. badly. And and how much and what kind of shooter could you get for you know 6 or 7 8 million dollars. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, um, for sure. You ever think? And, you, you ever think you'd be and, saying that in your playing days? <laughs> like,
4: yeah, I know. <laughs> um, I mean, like okay. it's. I mean, like it's ridiculous. Like yeah. these, these guys, you know, making one year what I made my career. You know, and I, uh, but then it, it's even worse for the older guys. You know, it's like you know the you know, I I at least got paid you know a pretty decent salary um, at the end of my career, but you know, what these guys make? I mean, like to think Blake Griffin makes twenty nine million dollars a yeah. year. I mean, is just unbelievable to me. Um, and and um, But I don't begrudge them because you know. I mean, uh, you know, there were people when I played. There, you know, there were veteran guys that were broadcasters when I played, and you know, I signed uh, uh, a six-year, eight-million-dollar contract um, when I was with the Sacramento Kings. My fifth year in the league. And so I mean like and there were broadcasters that were former players that just thought, Oh my God, six years, eight million that's just like unbelievable. <laughs> you know, like they were appalled by that. And I'm just like, you know, I don't begrudge these dudes Like, cause I just know that the money's out there. Um you, you the market's determines what you're <laughs> what you're worth. And um you know when I see Carrot Top going to Vegas and headlining and making whatever. I mean, like I, you know what I mean? Like you know the some of these people that make money in movies that have that are talentless jerks. You know what I mean? That make all this money in, in the entertainment business. Nobody says a word about them. But you know, you pay Blake Griffin twenty nine million dollars a year, and uh, you know people have a problem with it. But I'm saying, like, like how many people can do and play power forwards in the NBA like Blake Griffin? How many, how, many. Many, how many do you think there are on the planet that can do it?
1: Yeah, there's not many on planet Earth. And, uh,
4: Five, ten, right. you know, on the planet. Like, so like when, when, you, when you have that unique of a skill set that people are willing to pay to go see, then yes, then you're worth $29 million. That's what the market says, you know. So um, I don't know. It's, it's just it's frustrating to me. It's, but, when you're, but when you're trying to divvy up money, To put together a roster, you've got to be smart, and that's where I say Tom Thibodeau. I just wish he would have spent his money better. Because, you know, do you really need to spend uh, five extra million dollars? Is is Teague five million dollars better than Ricky Rubio? I don't know. Is um, I'm going to say no, he's not. I I would say no, he's not. Um, Do you need Cole Aldridge at eight million dollars a year? You know, taking up taking up a roster spot and burning up that much of the cap. Um, You know, I love Jamal Crawford, but you're trying to get JJ Redick. You know, JJ signed for he signed for a lot more than I think Minnesota had. They they couldn't afford JJ Redick, but um, JJ you know wanted to come here and play. And and but the thing is, we got into a bidding war with Philadelphia. Philadelphia ended up getting him. But but JJ Redick is exactly the kind of guy that Minnesota needs. You know what I mean? And so now yeah. you're looking at what do you do? I mean, you're here at the trade deadline. The Wolves cannot compete with teams that that shoot three point sh- shots. We just lost a game to Toronto where basically Minnesota outplayed Toronto, but the Wolves only hit five three-point shots. Toronto hit nine. Uh, Mm -hmm. Toronto hit more free throws than Minnesota did, something that the Wolves shot themselves in the foot. But if you shoot threes against Minnesota, it's just math. You know, threes more than two. And the Wolves just can't keep up with some of these three-point shooting teams. And, you know, they gave up 17 threes against Portland. They gave up 18 threes against the Golden State Warriors. And when you get into an arms race with Portland, Golden State, Houston, in the West, you're just going to come up a loser if you can't shoot three. So, I mean, then that, that, Tibs no, knows this coming into the season, and that's why I say I don't know how you don't just try to load up with three point shooters and try to you know try to stay with some of these teams that are just incredibly talented. Yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, JJ, in and JJ Reddick's case, he he had his own podcast for a while. He kind of shut it down, but. The last one that I heard, he had uh, Jerry or Brian Colangelo, excuse me, on from the Sixers. The, they agreed on the twenty-three million for one year, but he he and his wife's concern was, you know, they have family now and so forth. Were uh, years because he's in his fifteenth season, and he did mention that he was looking at Minnesota hard. And uh, part of it, part of the thing that wooed him, because uh, they were both talking about it on his on his show, was colangelo dangled that you know obviously this is the one year but we'll see what happens and uh, i i can totally see you as a coach in this league yada 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 so he kind of sweetened the pot a little bit and obviously like you said the the big money that minnesota wouldn't match i think that's where the final straw was in that deal right Right.
0: we could have used another duke guy <laughs> oh shit <laughs> we didn't even <laughs> think of that god we should call this wide men right, for good, man for duke yeah, um, <laughs> uh, Jim. One more question for you before you go, because cool. I don't know what Minnesota is going to do at the trade deadline. I don't know what assets they have to offer. I would ask you, but I think the only person that might know that answer would be Coach Thibodeau. Um, looking back at your history, and again, thank you so much for coming on. And this is something I'm going to remember for a long time as a diehard Minnesota fan. Um, what do? You, where did the uh, Ivory Tower nickname come from? <laughs> <laughs> uh, like, who came up with that? That's hilarious. Well, Garth, Garth Brooks. Well, uh,
4: so I, I was drafted by Houston uh, with Akeem Olajuwon. Ralph Sampson had been drafted number one the year before. So yeah. Ralph was drafted in '83, number one. Akeem Olajuwon was drafted in '84, number one. And so, and I was drafted at fifty-one. I would have been a second-round pick today, but back then I was a third-round pick. There were only twenty-three teams in the NBA when I came in in '84. Yeah. And so I was in the, you know, arguably the greatest draft class. Of all time, Elijah, Juan, Michael Jordan, Charles Barkley, John Stockton, Sam Perkins, Kevin Willis—I mean, so many great players that played uh, that are from that draft class. But and then uh, there was a guy named Rodney McRae who was on those great Denny Crum Louisville teams. So he was drafted with Ralph Sampson in '83. So they had Ralph, Ralph, and Rodney already, and then they get Akim Elizjuan, and they team up to become the Twin Towers. You know, they were the Twin Towers. You you haven't seen that many Twin Tower concepts work. I mean, David Robinson and and Tim Tim Duncan Duncan. were were one Twin Towers sort of concept. We had basically two centers playing together, right? And Ralph Sampson at 7 for 4, Akeem Olajuwon at 6'10", 6'11". Um, Two centers. Can they coexist? That's the question. And they did, and they were great. (laughs) And we were on national TV all the time. And so they're they're called the Twin Towers, and they're the biggest thing. I mean, like they're just sweeping the NBA. We went to the finals our second year together. Um, so Akeem, Elijah, Ralph Sampson, Twin Towers. Some sports writer, <laughs> sports caster for the ABC affiliate in Houston, Texas. He um, he was doing a story on me because I was a you know I was a pretty important player to those teams uh, in Houston. I was a you know, I was the sixth man basically. Yeah. One night on one night on the TV broadcast. You know, he said, we we got the Twin Towers, and then we got the Ivory Tower, like the white guy, you know? So I'm like, oh. so for some reason, it just stuck. And, you know, Ivory Tower is kind of pejor- a pejorative term, right? I mean, like, yeah. I, I really never really liked it because, like, I don't want to be that guy that's sitting in his Ivory Tower. It's kind of a negative, you know what I mean? Yeah. But on on the other hand... You know, it was kind of fun to be like compared to I was just happy to be compared to Lige one and Ralph Sampson, you know what I mean? Like a, they're the twin towers, I'm the Ivory Tower. Um <laughs> you know, it 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 really was one of those things where I was kinda of like I didn't like it, but it kinda of gave me an identity in a in, in a in a in a in a town like Houston and um I, I don't know, I just it I hear it now and I just kinda of cringe. You know what I mean? But it's yeah. on my Wikipedia page, <laughs> not too lazy to get it erased, so you know what I mean? Like it's just it's just kind of a funny thing right now. I I just roll with.
1: Yeah, that's a that's a pretty badass time and uh hopefully uh you enjoyed your experience tonight and you'll come back cuz there's so much I would love to ask you about like your playing career and back in those days, but if I if I could sneak one more in, uh Jim? Uh-huh. Uh I I did read on that said Wikipedia page that you uh did a lot of uh, uh I don't I don't know what word I would use, but did a lot of uh, educational work, that's the word, uh, about you know uh, anything from money management to uh, sexually transmitted diseases, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. And uh, was that a product of the time with the Magic Johnson announcement, or was it just? Oh, yeah. Okay. So yeah. something. So, go ahead.
4: Yeah, so it, when, when David Stern came into the league, you know, David Stern uh, came in in 84 too, so like, not only was the greatest draft class in NBA history in 84 with Jordan on and Barkley and Stockton, but David Stern had come into the league and took over for Larry O'Brien um, the spring, sort of like, I think it was like February of, of 84, so so, so the 84 draft was David Stern's first draft, but he has actually had been, you know, legal counsel, he had been he had been with the NBA for a long time before that, so it wasn't like he didn't know what was going on. But um, one of the things that David Stern did was he started a drug program because um, you know cocaine was a big problem in the '70s and '80s, and it almost it almost ruined the NBA. Yeah. And so, and you know, I had three teammates that were kicked off our team during my time in Houston: uh, Mitchell Wiggins, who's Andrew Wiggins' his father, yeah. and uh, Lewis Lloyd. They both were kicked off our team in eighty eighty seven for cocaine use, and then John Lucas uh, was kicked off twice. He was wow. kicked off my rookie year, and then he was kicked off my second year um, for cocaine abuse. Tested positive, um, so you know we ha- we just it was a big problem in our, in you know with our team, and of course you know. Of course, they're not going to make a, a uh, an example of of other teams. They make example of our team. Like there, you know how, how prevalent it was. I mean, th- th- I mean, they really could have really checked any number of players, and and busted them the same at the same level that they busted us. But um, it was kind of my <coughs> a bone of contention for me. But so like you know, there was a number of things that were happening. It was it was the drug use. It was the Magic Johnson in '91 and then you know what was happening is that as guys started making a lot of money uh guys were losing their money you know you had you had guys that would just you know they'd make you know tens of millions of dollars and And the money would just evaporate.
1: Yeah, a little, Um, a little later, it was uh, Antoine Walker, but back in that era. Yeah, I mean, Antoine
4: Walker is a perfect example. What did he make? One hundred and twenty-five million dollars in his career. I mean, are you kidding me?
1: Yeah.
4: I mean, you can't hang on to one hundred and twenty. You can't hang on to enough to like live on and and save. One hundred. You you messed up. I mean, even if Uncle Sam takes half, I mean that's sixty. You know, three million dollars that you should. You know. $63 million. How do you screw up $63 million? Well, it happened. And so they decided to have these programs um, and the NBA Players Association um, were the ones that sort of um, oversaw them. And so they kind of started in like in 1990. So it was um, HIV AIDS awareness through Johns Hopkins University. Uh, Merrill Lynch kind of um, um, did the, the degree, uh, the, uh, the money management part of it. There was uh, a degree completion part of it where they wanted athletes to go back and get their degrees. Um, so they worked with this company out of San Diego called Pace Sports. Um, and so, so they needed former players to be liaisons uh, in the locker room. So I worked for the NBA Players Association, and I had the West Coast, so I had all the teams in California, and I had Seattle and Portland. And I would be the guy that when when um, the meetings were happening, when like the Merrill Lynch guy would come into the locker rooms, and we'd talk about financial planning. <coughs> and when the doctors from Johns Hopkins University, I would come with the doctors, and I would be like sort of the the liaison between the players in the locker room and and these and these facilitators, these doctors that would come in and do these these um, these sort of uh, talks, you know. And it was all in an effort to try to educate our players better. And it was one of the things that David Stern really wanted to do. So, you know, there were there was a handful of guys that did it. It was like, you know, they, they kind of divvied up, you know, kind of by um, conference, by division and then conference. So um, it, was, it was kind of a fun thing to do for a couple of years to, before I figured out what I wanted to do. And it wasn't until – so I retired in 92, and I did that uh, from 92 to 94 – uh, and then I moved back to Minneapolis and I started working for the Timberwolves in 98. So I've been, this is my 20th year broadcasting with the Timberwolves. So, um, it's been a long, weird ride, but that was, that, that was an interesting thing to do though. That, that, that seminar stuff, I just learned a lot about people and I learned about human frailty, yeah. um, you know, the, managing money and drug use and HIV. It's, it's, it, I mean, it's all of the vices, right? I mean, you're talking about drugs, sex you know rock and roll money you know what i mean like it's like like all these vices and
2: i mean it's so
4: prevalent it's so prevalent in the nba that you know the guys just you know just have so much access to stuff you know so i think david stern did a great job of um trying to reel guys in you know what i mean
1: gotcha awesome yeah
0: well jim thank you so much for coming on with us tonight and we're sorry we took too much of your time and It's been really great getting to talk to you and having you on. And you, sir, are welcome back anytime you would like to come on. And I promise you, this season I will see you in Minneapolis. I'm flying up for a playoff game. I I promised myself I would whenever we made it again. So I'll be in Minneapolis. We make the playoffs. All
4: right, Nate. Come and see me, baby.
0: Just give me a heads up. I will. Talk to you guys later. Thanks Thanks a lot.
1: Jim Peterson, ladies and gentlemen man very cool. i don't think people out there
0: realize how happy this little wolf stand is right now yeah i'm marking out get over it
1: <laughs> yeah we the cup runneth over so you know we got to uh you know wind it down and we're obviously going to have to take care of some business at some point but um you know that's that's a great guest and when a guy has that many stories we we got to bring him back at some point oh for
0: sure jim's a great guy a uh, great commentator, too. If you never heard him call a game, you should listen to him. So much analysis and just knows the game inside and out.
1: Well, now I got to watch two goddamn teams. I was going to leave the T Wolves to you, but I got that stupid package <laughs> I got to watch now because Jim's a good dude. He's uh, so. great. But we want to thank our sponsors, com
0: and beadandy.com, for kicking it with us tonight. Also, thank you to the guys at Collar and Elbow. Use the code, at, go to collarandelbowbrand.com. Use the code TRSHOCK and save 10% on your merchandise at checkout, and the show gets a little love that way. By the way, we still are in partnership with Fanatics. TinyURL.com slash wide jump fan will take you to Fanatics. Use that, and it shows us some love, and you can get some really cool jerseys for your women. Valentine's Day is coming up. You're definitely going to want to do that. I think you can get Eagles gear on there too, right? You can get Eagles gear on there for when they win the Super Bowl on Sunday.
2: Big whoa, shout out whoa, to Jeff whoa, Simmons. Whoa, 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 yes, yes. Big shout out to Jeff Simmons, but I'm going to stop you there. We can't get too cocky here, because that's going to.
1: Well, Nate from West Virginia can. We
2: well, can. They're not my team. So yeah, true. Know. But I'm still, I'm still one of those don't okay. don't jinx it type of. Okay. Uh, if
0: uh, the Eagles win on
2: Sunday, yeah, there you go. There you go
0: if they win cool but we are going to be rooting for them even me down here in west virginia as a tampa bay buccaneers football fan i'll be rooting for the eagles because i'm sick of brady and belichick too a big thank you to everyone that watches and follows the show uh no voicemail this week from frank i guess it was too cold for his ass to pick up the phone uh we'll have karen back next week she'll be joining us for her segment and we want to thank everybody that shared the show, watches the show, downloaded us. You can find us on iTunes, Podcast Addict, Stitcher, LaughCast, LaughCast.com, uh, the LaughCast app. You can find us on Google Play, Flash FM, Pod Paradise, and anywhere on the internet that you find podcasts. Uh, big thank you to all the shows that have helped us out. Uh, studcast with Ron Fuller-Welch and Tony Basilio. Thanks to Shooting the Shiz with Brian Trammell, the 605 Super Podcast. Big shout-out to Kenny starmaker Bolin, and we do want to send a quick condolences to the family of Rasul Butler. Sad circumstances that happened today that we couldn't get into on the show today, but rest in peace, the Rasul
1: Butler and his wife, and our condolences go out to them. Uh, I got to jump in. I, I That sucks that we didn't bring that up. Um, just to give it its fair due, Rasul is a Philly guy, Roman Catholic High School, LaSalle University, uh, I'd have loved, them see, loved to have seen him play here in his career in the NBA, but he didn't. Tragically lost in a car accident, uh, and his wife as well, which we should not forget. Uh, so, Definitely yeah, not. What, what Nate said, and uh, Philly lost, uh, you know, from all accounts, a good person.
0: Yes, yes. Rest in peace for Seul and his wife, and our condolences once again. Thanks to Jeff Simmons for running the board and sticking with us in our overtime session tonight, but you only get Jim Peterson every so often, Jeff. Thanks for understanding. We will be back next week. We hope to see you guys there. I'm Nate from Wide Men Can't Jump. TR, take us home. Yo, yo, yo. Peace out. See ya.
1: They're playing.